Hey, Border Fuel listeners. Before we start the show, I wanted to tell you why we chose to host Border Fuel Podcast on Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Two, there's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Three, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Four, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Five, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Lastly, download the Anchor app for free or go to Anchor FM to get started today. Thanks for listening to the Border Fuel Podcast. Now, let's start the show. What is going on, everybody? You are back on a very special wild card edition of Ballin' Over Beers. I am Justin Dupengeiser. I am joined, as always, by my guys, James Fitch and A.K. Howe. James, what's going on, dude? What is up, boys? We made it. Uh, I can't believe we got through a full season. Did you guys think we'd be here? Um, no, I didn't think that... I didn't like it didn't obviously go off completely smooth but um the for everything that has happened it's gone off pretty much pretty seamlessly with everything that they've had to deal with in the year but AK what's going on man Oh not much getting ready for some wild card football golf starts up tomorrow watching the NBA it feels nice just thinking you know 10 months ago we didn't even know if there was going to be sports for a long time. Now we're getting them all back. Hockey starts back up soon. It's kind of a nice little time in the sports world again. Yeah, that is definitely nice. I'm fired up for the golf. Um, I'll just quick plug. If you don't do fantasy golf or DFS golf or bet on golf, I would highly recommend trying it. It is my favorite sport by a considerable margin to do that stuff with. But we're here to talk football, so let's do that. And we're going to start with you, James. Why don't you just give us any of your kind of takeaways from week 17 in the NFL or any initial thoughts heading into um, this wild card weekend? Yeah, so I, you know, I was really excited to see week 17 play itself out. I know there was a lot of, there were uh, like, what, four or five teams jockeying for uh, a playoff spot. So it was, it was kind of fun to just sit there and go through, you know, the one o'clock games and the four o'clock games to, to figure out who was going to uh, kind of get that that last playoff spot? So I was I was uh, I think we had talked about it last week where it was like I just I can't remember a scenario where there's this many teams alive and um, you know uh, fighting for for one of those last spots. So I, I just thought that was a really cool way to end the season. It really was a pretty fun way to end the season. I agree with that. What about you, AK? What are you? Uh, what are your biggest takeaways, maybe? Uh, the first biggest takeaway is the Bills hype train is full steam ahead going to the playoffs. I guess my other thing I saw last week is I said earlier this year, you never want to trust Andy Dalton to win you a football game. And my third thing that I took away from this season would be it's crazy that they added a seventh team to the playoffs and a 10-win team doesn't make it in uh, AFC, but the NFC has two teams with eight wins or less in it so it's pretty pretty crazy the difference in the two conferences uh yeah that that is something i think is super interesting to see like you said and i guess a couple my couple things first of all everybody that's going crazy about what happened in philadelphia and how that kind of worked out and how the eagles ended up playing nate sudfield in the in the fourth quarter or whatever and went crazy and then joe judge goes out and he like kind of goes after and says it's disgraceful and stuff like if you're the new york giants just stop talking you won six football games or whatever it was like win more games then you don't have to worry about what everybody else in your division is doing like just be better um so i thought that was pretty hilarious and sad at the same time for them um i mean the colts i was going to say the colts aren't bitching that 
the Steelers didn't play Ben Roethlisberger. They didn't complain all week about that. The, you know, the, I mean, the Bills, the Bills played a half of football against the Dolphins. My issue with what Philadelphia did was you've got a rookie quarterback, Jalen Hurts, that he needs reps, right? Like, how many games did this guy play? And he wasn't playing terrible. Um, I think they were struggling to move the ball. But what, what did Nate Sudfield do to earn earn snaps? Like, he's the third-string quarterback on that team or was the third-string quarterback. So if I were Hurts, I would have been pissed. Uh, and, and I think some of the players uh, on both sides of the ball felt that and expressed their concerns. I know there was kind of fights on the sideline and stuff like that. If, if that's what Peterson truly wanted to do, he probably should have just played Sudfield the whole game and just, you know, said Hurts, like, hey, you know, thanks, but you're our guy next year, but we're, we're just going to get this guy some playing time. I just thought with Philadelphia, the, it was a six-point game. They easily could have won that game, and then they, they pull that crap. I, that that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I, I totally agree with the Giants' point about, you know, win more games and, and you're in a better position for the playoffs. But when you've got a, a rookie quarterback that's going to be your guy next year, and then you just pull him after a half, like, I, I don't know, it just sends the wrong message to me. Uh, and I, and that I, that's where I'll agree with you, 100%. Like, if I'm the Eagles, and, like, it's so crazy that they did that, especially if you saw, like, the, the Jason Kelsey um, up at the podium thing. Like, I, I don't know how you pull Hurts in the fourth after your leader and your veteran coming out and saying all that stuff, like, and you still do it. I agree. It was a totally bad look by Peterson, and it's they're bringing him back, apparently, but... From everything, all the reports that are coming out, that is a very, very fractured locker room and very fractured organization, and the culture is not good right now. And it stems a lot from that. Like you said, I mean, you have Hurts. Don't you want to know if he's, like, the guy? Obviously, one quarter's not going to tell you that. But I think that if you think he has a chance to be, get him game reps. You can't you can't substitute, you know, practice reps. And the guy had no offseason, you know, obviously, with everything with COVID and, and stuff like that. Get him as many game reps as you can. So I'll def- I definitely agree with you on that point for sure. Um, and then I guess my other biggest thing heading into the weekend is just how prudent and how hyper-vigilant these teams are going to have to be about the COVID situation. I mean, we're already watching right now the Browns going through what they're going through without a head coach, um, multiple players, um that are going to have to sit out this first round. And now you have Tennessee had um, someone test positive, And then you have Kansas City, who's on a bye, luckily. But they had Mike Dana, one of their defensive ends. He tested positive or had a close contact. So, I mean, it's just it's just so critical right now for these guys. You, I mean, it's it's tough, but it's almost you got to go to the facility and then you got to go home. That's it. Like, you can't go out. you got to wear your mask at all time, even in the facility. Like, you can't afford to take these risks. I mean, you got to be able to do virtual meetings, I think, whenever you can. Um, you know, it's it's always, like, if you're a fan of a team, obviously you're nervous. And if you're a fan of football, you're obviously, you know, playoffs are nerve time. You you got the anxious, that, that fun time. I think it's almost now it's like you're almost anxious and nervous too because you're you're worried that they're even be able to going to get it in with the COVID situation. And the, with the way that it's spiking, right now in the country i mean you're seeing it in the nfl too with with all these teams getting getting cases and and people you know having the close contacts it's it's a very uh very trying and very scary situation for sure for the nfl um it'll be it'll be interesting to see what teams do uh around the super bowl right when the 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 final two teams make it Uh, you wonder if you'll see the hotel quarantines or something like that just to eliminate any of that concern yeah, and I, I was actually, I tweeted at one of the uh, NFL or the Kansas City like insider guys and kind of just wanted to know his, his thought on the situation is if he thought, I said, do you think that teams would do that on their own at this point? And he said, and he made a lot of sense, was that these two weeks were going to be hard for the NFL, these next two weeks regardless, because it coming off of Christmas and New Year's. And the, you know, the incubation period and the, the contact period is, you know, five to 14 days. So with Christmas and New Year's being where they were, like, it's going to be tough regardless. So like you said, maybe it happens where a Super Bowl, like, even if the NFL is not mandating it, do teams just say, you know what, 
hey, we're going to do this on our own. Everybody, we, for, you know, for this next week or whatever, everybody's in the hotel and we're, we're staying here and, you know, we'll, have, we'll order food and have the team meals. You'll grab and go and go to your room or whatever, you know, whatever it is you have to do. So it should be interesting to see what happens. But um, let's uh, let's recap our four packs. We had we had some some fireworks. We had a battle, me and you, James, going down to the last last week here for the best uh, the most wins, best winning percentage, and then all three of us finished on a really high note. And we'll start with you, AK, um, because you finished worst of all of us, but still not a terrible year by any stretch of the imagination. So why don't you uh, give us the recap? Yeah, I started. I finished the year off three zero and one last week. I had Baltimore; they covered. I had the Jags; they covered. Or sorry, the Jags pushed. The Giants covered, and then I had the Ravens over fifty and a half. The Raiders over fifty and a half, and uh, that covered for me. And I also squeaked out my season-long Raiders bet over seven wins. So that was kind of a little nerve-wracking last couple minutes of that game for me. Very nice, yeah. It was uh, definitely a good wi- good week to, to finish off, a strong week or whatever. Um, I'll go next. Uh, James edged me out for one more win. I technically had a better winning percentage, but he had more wins. I finished 3-1 and one this week with a 30-27-3 record overall, so a little bit over 500. Um, not too bad, I don't think. Um, I had my wins were Washington, the Packers, and the Ravens. Um, with all pretty pretty decent wins, pretty easy wins. And then Seattle, minus five and a half I took, and they got me the loss. Um, and they just, I their offense as of late has not been, been great and hurt me. But James, what about you, man? Yeah, so three and one to close things out on the week. So as Justin said, record was uh, 31, 28, and one. Uh Lucky to get a win with the Rams at minus one and a half. And I say that because I literally probably got like the worst of the number on that. I think once the news broke about Kyler Murray starting, we saw that line transition to the cards being favored by around three, three and a half. So uh, the Rams luckily still won that game and covered for me. I feel feel fortunate for that with uh, Wolford playing quarterback. Uh, but as I mentioned, I, I don't think he's really much of a downgrade over, over Goff. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens with them uh, this weekend. But uh, my only loss was with the Bears, plus five. Uh, I didn't really end up liking that side towards the end of the week when some cluster injuries in the Bears secondary were revealed. And um, I, I kind of changed my, my stance on that game a little bit towards uh, towards game time. But unfortunately, earlier in the week, earlier I took the Bears, so I got a loss there. Uh, wins with uh, Giants and, and the uh, the 49ers both, both covering too. So uh, a, a good way to close it out. Yeah, it was. It was a really good uh, good way to close it out. Um, so what we're going to do for the wild card and throughout this whole playoffs is actually we are going to bet or pick every single game against the spread. And the three of us have made a wager on it to see whoever gets the most games right is going to take the full pot. Um, if we come down to a tiebreaker, we'll use probably the Super Bowl, like total score or something like that, or most, you know, whatever points or predicting the score or whatever to, to do some sort of tiebreaker. Um, but we're going to we're gonna give a full breakdown here of, of all the games throughout the playoffs and super pumped about it. And we're going to start right away with the first game that is on Saturday, and that is James's Buffalo Bills against the Indianapolis Colts. The Buffalo Bills are minus 6.5, and, and that over-under is 51 this is a game that is interesting on a lot of levels. I think um, the Bills coming in, um, obviously off of a massive win against the Miami Dolphins, where they only played their starters for half and still crushed them. And then the Colts coming in and kind of coming off of a battle against the Jacksonville Jaguars. So it should be interesting to see. I think it's an interesting matchup, too, of, of where you know the Bills – his struggles this year defensively have been against the run a little bit where that's kind of where the Colts want to do it. And then everybody kind of had talked about how great the Colts defense is. Whereas as of late, they have struggled a little bit more than I think people are aware of, but 
Uh, we're going to start right with the Bills fans, and we're going to go to you, James. Where are you going in this game? Yeah, I like the Bills side. Uh, currently sitting at 6.5. Uh, I think I told you guys, I, I get nervous as this game pushes 7, 7.5, but anything under a touchdown, I, I like the Bills side. Um, I, I can definitely see the Bills getting up. Um which would then kind of take uh, Jonathan Taylor out of the game. You may see the game script kind of push uh, the action more to a passing uh, passing uh, game for the Colts and, and you know, passing to Naheem Hines and things like that. But um, I, I just think the Bills' offense is, is rolling. Their defense has been playing better as of late. I think they can do what they did against the Titans very early in the season and kind of stack the box and, and defend against Jonathan Taylor and make Phillip Rivers beat them. In, in the cold in January. Yeah, I think that's kind of the big key too. Is you just uh, make make old Phil Rev stand back there and see what he can do. But AK, are you kind of thinking the same thoughts as James? Or are you going to go on the cold side of this? I am taking the same side as James on this one. I have the Bills minus six and a half. Um, I actually put a pretty decent little wager on it today. Wanted to get that line in just in case it does go up throughout the week. I wanted it under the touchdown. But I think, like James is saying, the Bills are going to get up early. It's going to kind of limit what the Colts can do on offense. And the one nice thing is it's going to be good weather this weekend, so you don't really have to worry about Josh Allen um, being plagued with any rain or wind. So with the nice weather, the Bills under seven, you got to take them in my opinion. I'm going to be right there with you guys. I'm on the Bills side as well. I, I just don't think that Phillip Rivers, at the end of the day, will be able to make enough plays to keep up with the scoring. Um, it'll be interesting to see what the, the Colts do defensively and how they want to attack this Bills offense. Obviously, the Bills offense with a ton of weapons, uh, Stefan Diggs, um, you know, John Brown is finally coming back from injury. Is there any word on Cole Beasley yet? Have you heard, James? Is he going to be in? He still isn't practicing. I, I would guess that he's probably a long shot at this point. That, to me, it makes it pretty interesting. I, I it, Obviously, Diggs and Brown are, are exceptional. But I think that a lot of times, um, you know, underneath, Beasley is able to get open so quickly that it just alleviates a lot of the pressure um, that kind of happens. And I think the Colts are probably going to come on out and want to put two safeties out there put and really kind of flood the zones, make Josh Allen throw into tight windows, see if they can get some pressure and, and really see what he can do. Um, if they're able to do that, I think they can keep it close. But, I, again, at the end of the day, I don't think they have enough firepower on the offense because of Phillip Rivers. Now, obviously, we've seen them score a ton of points as of lately. But uh, I, I think, you know, with the weapons that they have on the outside as well for the Colts, you don't really have anybody to threaten um, that second corner of the Bills, which is where they, you know, they have a little bit of more of a tendency to struggle, which you know, Levi, Val- Levi Wallace or Josh Norman um, going against a Michael Pittman or a Zach Pascal. That's not exactly uh, threatening, I would say. You know, if Trey White's on T.Y. Hilton, he can shut him down right away. So I think that the Bills yeah. match up well there. My, my concern, I shouldn't say concern. I'd be curious to see the Colts, I think, play a little bit more uh, zone defense. Uh, and I think Allen and their, their offense tends to just struggle a little bit more about that style uh, of defense. I think they've gotten better as the season's progressed, but uh, I'd be curious to, to see how they look there. Um, I do feel encouraged with potentially Beasley being out with Isaiah McKenzie. I know he had a, a really good game last week. I, I don't anticipate him scoring three touchdowns again, but I, I see him as a viable filling in the slot for uh, Beasley if he's out. I know the Bills also have Gabe Davis, but he's he's not really as much of a, a slot guy. So uh, I, I think you could you could look to see uh, McKenzie uh, having an increase in snaps again potentially. And I, I love the over in this game too. The total is sitting at fifty one. Um, I, I really have. Um, a strong feeling for that too. I think this is going to be a game with some points. Yeah, I'm right. I'm right there with you on the points as well. Um, and a game that I don't think is going to have a lot of points potentially is the Rams and Seahawks. 
Um, the over and under on that one is only 42 points, which is nine different from that Bills-Colts game. The Rams are three-point underdogs at this point, and it has dropped some since the first initial number has come out. AK, I'm going to start with you on this one. You. This is a old-fashioned NFC West battle. Um, where, are you, where are you leaning on this? I'm leaning towards the Rams side on this one. Uh, watching Wolford last week, I don't think their offense drops off all that much, if at all, from Jared Goff. Um, now it is going to be playing in playoff games, so it's a little bit different, but I still have faith in um, McVay to call a good offense there. But if you look at on Seattle's side, they have 200 yards passing, less than 200 yards passing in the last three games, and the Rams have the number one defense in the league for yards per play. I just don't see Seattle scoring enough points to win by more than a field goal. I don't know if the Rams are going to win outright, but I'd like getting the points there in a divisional game with a great defense going against a struggling offense. That's a pretty convincing argument. Um, I was leaning Seahawks. I, James, you're, you go, and I want to hear your side of the argument too because see if you can sway me either way here. Where are you, where are you going on this one? Yeah, Seahawks. I'm on the Seahawks side, uh, and I'm I'm betting on the quarterback uh, advantage here. Uh, Russell Wilson versus uh, a guy starting his second game with no playoff experience. I know um, you can say McVay's been to the Super Bowl; he's got experience, but Pete Carroll, I think, edges him out there too. So uh, when you, when you look at the experience, just on the the coach and the quarterback, I I'm just going to go with Seattle. Three points isn't that much. They to AK's point, they do tend to play very weird, close games. They very easily could win this game by one or two, but um, I, I I think the quarterback advantage just in this game alone is probably worth more than three points. Okay, that's that's and that's where I kind of leaned on this one too, and that's where my initial thought went was, um, you know, Russell Wilson is just better than that. Now, I did hear reports that Jared Goff was throwing the ball in practice, which I guess is big when, you know, he hasn't really been able to with that thumb injury. So it'll be interesting to see if he does end up playing. But even that, I don't think that Goff is like somebody who's going to move the needle maybe as much as some other quarterbacks, especially like a Russell Wilson or anything like that. Um, to, to the point of the defense, you're right. I do think that the Rams' defense has been outstanding this year and Seattle's offense has been struggling. So I'm gonna. it's going to be interesting to see if Carroll – goes back to what they were doing at the beginning of the year where they're trying to throw more and, and kind of, you know, let Russ cook and do that. Or if they're going to come out and they're going to try to run the ball with Chris Carson and slow the pace down and do all that as well. Um, by the over-under total, it seems like everybody's thinking this is going to be, you know, one of the slower, low-paced games. It is interesting too, though, because, you know, the Seahawks defense who started out just at a historically bad pace um, they've, they've definitely gotten better over the past few weeks. I think the, the addition of Carlos Dunlop has helped with the pass rush. Um, they played a little bit better in the secondary. So it, it's going to be a low-scoring game. Uh, like you guys have already said, it's going to be one of those games where division rivals, they're meeting now for the third time in, in one year. Um, it'll be super interesting to kind of see how this one plays out. But I'm going to take the Seahawks. And I like James with the quarterback and with the experience there with Pete Carroll. So the next game on the on the book is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers against the Washington football team. The Bucks are eight-point favorites, and the over-under is 45. This is a pretty funny game in the sense that the Bucs are actually going to Washington um, because Washington was the division winner, even though they didn't have as many wins. So that's that's interesting and kind of funny in that sense. But this is a game where Tampa Bay has kind of been barnstorming people as of late. Tom Brady has thrown for over, you know, 340 yards in like three of his last four or four of his last five or something like that. And they're throwing the ball all over the yard. Um, but... It, it, it's the, the old kryptonite for Brady, right? This is a defense that gets after you with four pass rushers. They can p- play pretty good in the secondary. Um, they're not going to give up any bit of run. I, I don't think this is a pro-Washington football team podcast for those that, of you that have forgotten. Um, we're, we're here to see Alex Smith 
just continue to make this Cinderella run and lead this team into the next round. And I'm going to take Washington and the points in this one. Do I think they win? Man, I would like to see it, but I, I don't know if they'll be able to get it done. But I do think that they keep it close. My biggest fear right now is can Washington score enough points? Um, that will be seen. Ron Rivera has said that he's going to rotate Alex Smith and Tyler Henneke, apparently or potentially. If that happens, I w- w- would be just kind of stunned. Um, I don't think we've ever, I, at least I can't remember, ever seen a time where a team has made the playoffs and then done that. So that would be wild to absolutely see. But uh, James, let's go to you next. Where are you going on this one? Yeah, I'm going to go with, um, I don't love it, but I'm going to go with the Washington football side, getting eight points, getting getting over that, that key number of seven. Um, I think the, the, the last two times we've seen one of these uh, teams limp into uh, the playoffs with a losing record, they've actually won their, their first round game. Um, I don't know if I'm going to go as far as predicting the Washington win, nor would I put money on, on the money line for this team, but um, I just like the, the defense to keep it within uh, eight points. Uh, I think Alex Smith is either 4-1 and one or 5-1 and one in his last uh, last uh, starts, so I, I like him, especially if he's he's starting. Hopefully he is. Um, if not, that, that probably changes things a little bit, but... Uh, we've also seen Tom Brady struggle in primetime this year. It's It's been noted that he, uh, old, old Grandpa Tom, goes to bed at 8.30, uh, and, and we've got these games starting. Can't, at handle, the, can't handle the darkness. Which, he just wants to sleep. N- <laughs> no, and, and I know that sounds silly, and I don't really know if there's anything to that, but you, you can't dispute that uh, the, the, the Tampa Bay team just has not shown up for primetime games this season. So, It'll be weird to, uh, or it'll be interesting to see um, if, if that has any effect on, on them in this game. You'd, you'd like to think that they'd be up for a playoff game. Um, so we'll see. I, I just think eight points is, is quite a bit here. So uh, I'll take Washington. Yeah, and to your point about the the primetime thing, it, it was such an issue that Bruce Arians started holding some night practices for them to like get used to playing under the lights in like primetime type slots, which is pretty bizarre when you think about for many like primetime games Brady has probably played in his career that's that's pretty crazy to think that they're struggling like they are for sure um AK where are you going in this one I'm gonna go with uh the Tampa Bay Buccaneers I don't think people should really be scared of this spread I was kind of telling you guys earlier that of the 11 postseason games last year six of them were decided by over 10 points I know that it's that was last year and we're having two different year, but the eight points don't scare me. Tampa's defense is rolling. Um, Grock looks healthy and able to run again. I don't think Washington can score over, you know, 14, 17 points. Uh, Tampa has a good defense. Washington's offense is kind of not that good. So I'm just going to take Tampa minus eight for those little few reasons. No, I think that's fair. Like I said, my biggest fear is that they won't be able to score either. Um, They're going to have to be able to throw the ball to win, I think, and that's not not what they would like to do, I don't think. But the next game um, is one of, I think, the best games of the weekend, and that's the Baltimore Ravens against the Tennessee Titans. The Baltimore Ravens are three and a half point favorites with the over under being 54 and a half points. James, why don't you start us off with this one? Yeah, I, I switched my pick uh, probably within like the last 10 or 15 minutes before we started recording. I was initially on Tennessee, um, but I'm, I'm officially going to go with Baltimore. Um, I, I did like, I hate betting that hook, right? Three and a half. It's, it's a tough number to think about. And, and that was my primary reason for liking the Tennessee side. Uh, I'm a bit concerned with uh, Lamar Jackson's last two uh, performances in the playoffs. He hasn't really shown up, so I'm kind of taking a chance on on him fixing that this year. And at the end of the day, it just boils down to, uh, one, Baltimore's just been rolling. They've looked good. They've beat up on some bad teams. Tennessee has a very, very poor uh, defense, and and I just don't think they're going to be able to stop 
Uh, I don't think they're going to be able to stop Baltimore from from running all over them and, and moving the ball. Um, I'm, I'm just I'm kind of going with the momentum here, and, and uh, I'll, I'll take the Baltimore side. Hey, Kate, what about you? I'm also going to go on the Ravens side on this one. Uh, J.K. Dobbins and Lamar have been rolling the last five weeks. Uh, they haven't. I mean, they've covered the spread the last five weeks. The defense is playing great. And if you go back and look at last year's postseason game, the Ravens moved the ball on the Titans. They just stopped in the red zone. If they can convert those red zone opportunities this year, uh, I think they win the game. I think Lamar gets his first postseason win, but my verdict's still the same. Lamar, if you make him throw the ball, they're not going to win. But unfortunately... For the Titans, I think Dobbins and Lamar run all over him this week, and Lamar's not going to have to rely on his arm. Yeah, we're going to make it a clean sweep for the Ravens. I think for pretty much all the stuff that you guys just said, the Titans' defense is bad. Uh, they can't rush the passer. They can't defend the pass. They're not very good against the run. So, you know, you talk about Lamar's limitations and throwing the ball. Well, this is a game that if he wants to, he should be able to do so because the secondary is so bad and he's not going to be under pressure. So that doesn't bother me. I do think that this is going to be a game um, with a lot of points. I actually already have money on the over in this, and I think that uh, it's going to be a shootout. It's a game that we'll talk here in a second about DraftKings and stuff, but I'm going to be targeting pretty heavily in DraftKings. Um, but I'll just I'll take the Ravens. I'll take Lamar and Dobbins and you know maybe Marquise Brown with a couple big big plays here. Get behind that poor secondary. Can we talk props on this game here real quick? Yeah, do it. Lamar Jackson, over one and a half touchdown passes, plus 135. I like it. I think, I think I love it. Yeah, it's... I think I like that too. They're going to get in the red zone, and Mark Andrews is going to get one, and he'll probably get a stupid deep ball to Hollywood Brown or something like that. Yeah, I mean, this is a game where they, they'll they score four or five touchdowns, at least, most likely, I'd, I'd like to think. And you'd have to think a couple of them are, are going to be rushing and probably a couple of them dedicated to, to passing in the red zone, like you said. So that's that's a, that's a, a line I'm going to look at. Yeah, 100%. I think that's a great number. I think that's a great number. And I think in the past few weeks, even you've seen Marquise Brown being somebody who, who's not putting up a huge amount of production, but he's scoring touchdowns in the passing game. So um, I think that's... That's great, especially the plus number, like you said. Next game in the NFC is the Chicago Bears and the New Orleans Saints. The Bears are 10-point underdogs with uh, the over-under being 47.5. AK, we'll start with you on this one. What are you thinking on this side? I'm going to go with the Saints laying the points here. Uh, Watching the Bears the last four weeks, they looked great three weeks in a row, but they were playing the Texans, Vikings, and Jags. They get to week 17, which it was a win and in for them, and they uh, got destroyed by the Packers. Luckily, they got some help and made the playoffs, but I think New Orleans' defense will shut them down. I think COVID Camara goes off this week, and the Saints blow them out, to be quite honest with you. Yeah, I... I, I'm picking Chicago, but the more I'm thinking about it, it's just I don't feel good about it. I'm just doing the 10 points. 10 points just seemed like a lot. I, I just, but, yeah, I'm worried now that the Saints are going to be able to stop the run. Dave Montgomery's going to do nothing, and then they're going to have to rely on Mitchell Trubisky to actually make throws and play quarterback at a high level in the playoffs, and that is, like, the worst possible thought to have when you've when you've already made your decision and, and picked your team. Um, I, I'm going to take the Bears and just I'm just baking on it being the 10 points being too too much and maybe they keep it within they keep it within a touchdown. So we'll, we'll go with that for now, I guess, with no confidence whatsoever. Uh, James, what about you? Yeah, I'm not going to get to the window on this game. This one's ugly, but I'm going to go with the Saints to uh, to cover the, the 10 points here. Um, to, your, to your point, Justin, my... My thought here is uh, the New Orleans rush defense is very strong. I think they're going to take Montgomery out of the game, and then we're going to have to see Trubisky uh, beat them through the air, which I just I don't have faith in that at this point. I think they should feel fortunate to have gotten into the playoffs with kind of the, the stretch that they have this season. So um, 
Congrats to you, Chicago. Handshake, high five. But I think you're going to get crushed in this game. High fives and butt slaps all around. Um, That's right. <laughs> real quick, do the Bears bring back Mitchell Trubisky as their quarterback next year, AK? Yes. James? I think so. I think uh, with Nagy coming back, um, I'd be shocked if they didn't bring in somebody to compete with him, but I, I think he'll be back. I'm I'm gonna say I'm gonna say no. I'm gonna say they go they go in another direction. Which is risky obviously for a guy that Nagy was on the hot seat this year to try to tire tire job to a new quarterback, but I'll say no. Um Does Allen Robinson re sign with the Bears is the bigger question. No, no. He, he signs he signs with <laughs> he signs with the Chiefs and the Chiefs annihilate everyone. That's my dream. <laughs> He's going to be catching passes from Matt Stafford wherever wherever he is. Indiana- In Miami together? Indianapolis? Sure. Indy? Sure. Sure. <laughs> Philly? Could be. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that would be... Dude, they both deserve better, both of those guys. Um, yes, they do. All right, next game, AFC. Browns, Steelers. The, the drag racing Browns uh, are underdogs by six. Pittsburgh uh, and them are what forty seven and a half over under, yeah. The, the I just this team I th- I'm gonna start with the drag racing thing. I couldn't even believe it when I read it. Jedrick Jedrick Wills, their offensive tackle, the rookie, and Kaderil Hodge were cited on I don't know whether it was misdemeanor or whatever. They got ticketed basically for drag racing in Tuesday morning or something like that. It's like the guys they make the playoffs for the first time in eighteen years. Then they do this, and then they have all the COVID stuff where they have Stefanski. They're without him. They're without all these different players now. Joel, and how bad do you feel for you know Joel Batonio, who is their veteran guy who's been with Cleveland forever, never been to the playoffs, and as soon as they get there, he gets COVID. And now he can't play. Like that, you it sucks for him. It sucks for the Browns because he's a, a very good player, and the way that the Browns want to play, they want to be able to run the ball and can you know do their whole offense through that that wide zone scheme that Stefanski runs and they sets up all the bootlegs and the play actions um it really takes a lot of pressure off of off of Baker and I'm sure they're going to still try to obviously do that because that's what they do Uh, I don't think it's going to be enough I don't think that they have enough defensively either you know the Steelers aren't playing great they're not a juggernaut by any of the stretch of the means right now, but they're still the third best team probably in the AFC for a reason, um, or at least have the third best record. Uh, I think that the big Ben and those receivers, they get it done and they do just enough to try to take them out. I, I think that if this was a game where the Browns were healthy, like I wanted to pull the trigger bad on the Browns. Cause I think that the Browns can beat them, but we also just watched the Browns struggle to beat them where the Steelers rested half of their roster. So I, I just have no confidence there with them, with especially with everything that's going on. It seems like they're just ha- kind of happy to be in the playoffs for the first time, and they're not ready to take that next step. Um, AK, what what are you uh, thinking on this game? Divisional games scare me going into the playoffs because you never know what happens. You know, these two teams know each other so good. But right now, the Browns are just a complete clusterfuck. I mean, there's no other way to really put it. I think Pittsburgh covers the six points, and... Baker Mayfield starts his book club a little earlier than he wants to this year. Oh, shots fired. <laughs> shots shots fired. James, where are you going on this one? Yeah, I, Pittsburgh for sure. This this line movement's weird to me though. Um, two points in the last day. I, I know why, but it's kind of weird when you think about it, right? There's it's not like the Browns lost their starting quarterback. It's all it's basically over a coach, right? Like a two point movement over a coach. Yeah, that's weird. I don't think. We don't normally see situations where all of a sudden a coach can't coach, right? So I, I don't think we're used to seeing this stuff. So I, I just find that interesting. Um, despite that, I, I do like the Pittsburgh side. I mean, the Browns have been practicing in parking lots the last, like, two or three weeks with everything going on. Um, and, and I think there's – there's I think the success you've seen this year for Baker Mayfield, I, I think some of that's got to be tied to Stefanski, right? And I think they're at a big disadvantage – without him coaching in this game. I think there's something to be said about that. I also think Pittsburgh's going to put pressure on Mayfield and he does not, he does not play well. 
when he's pressured. So I like their defense to get to him. Uh, and I, I feel pretty comfortable uh, laying six in this situation. Yep, I'm right there with you. Um, so just a quick recap. I'll go through my picks. I went Bills, Seahawks, the Washington football team over the Bucks, the Ravens, the Bears, and, and my least confident pick of the week, and then the Steelers over the Browns. AK, why don't you give a quick recap of your six? I went Bills, Rams, Bucks, Ravens, Saints, Steelers. James? Yep, so I've got the Bills, Seahawks, uh, Washington, Baltimore, New Orleans, which is probably, I would say between New Orleans and Washington, those are probably my two uh, least confident, and um, I would say Pittsburgh's probably my most confident pick. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you with the Steelers. I like that one a lot. Um, all right, let's let's uh, let's talk a little bit of DFS here. Oh. Texans just gave uh, their new GM a six-year contract that makes him one of the three highest-paid GMs in the league, per Adam Schefter, just tweeted it out live on the show. Breaking news. Interesting. Breaking news. Breaking news, man. Breaking news. I- I'm interested to see where all these head coaches end up going. Real quick, who, who, James, who is the most intriguing job opening right now in the NFL? Or who is the best job opening in the NFL? If you were a head coach, where would you want to go? Hmm. Probably the Chargers. Um, it's Los Angeles, man. Who wouldn't want to be in Los Angeles? Um, I think they've got a lot of great pieces there. Um, and and that, to me, that would seem very appealing. AK, what about you? See, I want to lean to the Chargers, but playing in the same division as Mahomes kind of scares me. Um, I guess I'm going to go with – I like the Texans. Uh, they have Deshaun Watson, who's a top-five quarterback in the league. They have their left tackle, so I'm going to go with the Texans just because they don't have to go against Mahomes. Yeah, I think it. I think it comes down to Chargers, Texans for sure. I'll take Texans as well. I just, I mean, I guess I don't know because I guess with the Herbert play, I mean, if he ends up being a guy that they think they are, is he going to end up being a top five, ten quarterback? Because then you got that plus all the assets again. Though you're playing Mahomes every. That's tough. That's close between the two. I'm gonna I'm gonna sis you out and let you guys make the hard choices. Um. All right, DFS. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about what do you want to do first? You want to do a Saturday slate, a Sunday slate, or kind of both of them combined? Any preference from you guys? No, just just whatever you want. Don't matter to me. All right, yeah, I have no preference. Let's pick a let's let's do the Saturday Sunday one first that has all six games in it, and we'll talk about that. Um, the first thing I want to talk about, and I'll ask you guys, was there any game or any stack that jumped out to you right away and ak why don't we start with you um any game or stack that you that you like right away i think the ravens and the titans game is going to be the highest scoring but it's also going to be the hardest game to stack so if i, I like obviously the josh allen and stefan dig stack i think they put up a lot of points against indy but if you can nail the right stack in the Ravens-Titans game, I think you're going to do pretty well. James, what about you? Yeah, I think those are going to be the chalk. I think it's going to be the Bills-Colts stack uh, a stack in that game. Uh, obviously, the Bills side probably. And then um, the, the Ravens-Titans, um, I think, are, are probably the two um, – that I'd look to if I'm looking to build maybe a third lineup where I get a little bit more sneaky or contrarian, I may look to stack either like some, some Buccaneers together or it would be ugly. But I think if you kind of went Seattle Rams in that game, a lot of people are expecting that to be a low scoring game. And who knows, maybe we get a high scoring game out of nowhere. And I think if you can build a lineup there that hits, you're going to be in an advantageous position. But I'd say my favorite's probably looking at that the Bills game. Unfortunately, it's the first game of the weekend, so if you bust there, you're you're in trouble. Yeah, and it makes it super interesting. So this isn't like you know a normal slate, obviously, um, especially with it being two days, right? It's Saturday and Sunday, and even if you're looking at the your kind of your strategy. Um, for these games for if it was just a Saturday or just a Sunday slate it's 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 nice to be able to and it's actually really crucial more than even normal to do a late swap so you want to have somebody in the flex that is really playing in those late games 
that you can potentially, you know, swap out that, you know what, if you know your lineup's doing good, you could play a chalkier player and keep them in your lineup and know that you could still cash or do well. Or if you know you're way behind, you know that you can go, you know, completely contrarian and play somebody that's not going to be highly owned to, to kind of give you those extra points that other people might not be getting that you can make a comeback or something like that. So utilizing the late swap this this week and in this uh, weekend in the playoffs is going to be very critical. You're going to really want to pay attention to ownership and stuff like that to to give yourself that, that edge. And, and these kind of slates, the slightest edges are, are the stuff where you're going to be able to make some money. Um, if we're talking stacks for me, I, obviously I, I'm right there with you guys with the Lamar Jackson, the Josh Allens. Um, you know, that Ravens Titans game is my favorite game of the weekend. I think there's going to be a ton of points in it. I think that the Lamar Jackson side of it is going to be more popular. So, you know, it's always interesting coming back with like a Ryan Tannehill, AJ Brown, Derrick Henry stack, because a lot of times people aren't correlating Derrick Henry and, and Tannehill together, but they, they can both get it done in the same game. Like you see it all the time where they're both scoring a ton of fantasy points. So let me ask you this too. And I know you kind of mentioned James there. Um, what you think might be interesting that Rams and Seahawks game is a, a low, lower own. What about the, the Steelers? You know, Big Ben's $6,100. The, the receivers for Pittsburgh aren't as expensive as some of these other guys. Deontay Johnson, 6200 Juju is 55 and Claypool is 52 I don't mind looking at this kind of Steelers stack, potentially if it's a game, especially that we're confident in, that they're going to blow out. The Steelers, the the Steelers, the, the Chiefs, and the Bills are the three teams in the NFL that throw it over expectation more than anybody in the NFL. They've been, The Pittsburgh Steelers have been chucking it all over the yard all year. Um, James, is that something that you have you looked at? Does that make sense to you? Are you interested in that at all? Um, I haven't looked at it. I'm not interested in it, but I can see, I can see value in it. And for me, like I, I'm, I'm relatively new to, uh, NFL DFS. I, I won't lie about that, but I've really enjoyed, um, or really find value in pursuing quarterbacks that can get it done on the ground too. I think you, you have an advantage there in, in all forms of fantasy football. And you're not going to get that on a big Ben. And, and I think the, the price probably reflects that, but when you look at a Lamar, a Josh, or a Tannehill, um, there's a big advantage to get that six-point rushing touchdown um, versus you know your your four-point passing. So I'm I'm probably going to stay away from from that game myself. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with the on the ground. That's like the one thing that you look at Lamar Jackson and his rushing attempts. It's just obviously he's he's a run-first type of guy, but he's only had five games total this season that haven't been double digit carries like that's running back one type numbers or at least running back two type numbers which is wild but to that same point on the passing aspect of it if you look at ben roethlisberger he has one game this year that he has fewer than 32 pass attempts so i mean they throw the ball all over the place so that'll be interesting to see ak if you had to rank your top three quarterback options, potential stacking options, what would you rank them? I actually like that, um, like the Rouseberger, Deontay Johnson stack. I was just going to go to the point of, if you want to get Derrick Henry in your lineup at 9,200, you have to pay down in some other position. So with the running backs being kind of scarce this week, I think it's important to have Derrick Henry. So like if you have the Rouseberger, Deontay Johnson, you can even get someone in your lineup like Diggs as well have another big play uh, another big play guy there but my, my favorite three stacks are I like Lamar and Mark Andrews over Hollywood Brown I like Big Ben and Deontay Johnson and I like Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs all right James what are what would be like your two two or your three top stacks or your three top quarterbacks yeah, I'm I'm trying to decide right now. I think I I've liked the lineup I put together, and that centers around uh, a Lamar Jackson stack. With uh, right now, I have Hollywood Brown in there and J.K. Dobbins with A.J. Brown coming back. But I do like uh, Mark Andrews, uh, so I I may swap uh, him in for for Brown. 
Uh, and in that lineup, I was able to squeeze in Kamara in a flex. And if he doesn't end up going, I can get in like a Michael Thomas there. Um, by doing all that, I had to pay down in a couple of spots. So I was able to put in Naheem Hines in a running back. I, I think the way that game could play out, the game script could take Jonathan Taylor out of it. And uh, you could see Naheem Hines catching more passes. Um and then two, I'd probably say the Bills stack. I like Josh Allen. I, I like looking at Allen, Brown, and Diggs. Brown's priced at forty seven hundred, so I think there's, um, I think there's some value there. I think he can catch some passes too, so I, I like him. Yeah, I think that's a interesting call there too. I think if I had to rank my top three quarterbacks and stacking options, I'd go Lamar, Josh Allen, and then probably Big Ben. Um, one, one guy that we didn't mention there. And I, I think that if you want to go super savings, Drew Brees is a pretty interesting option. He's not, I mean, he's going to be low owned. I don't think he's going to be pretty much owned by anybody. And the other one is Philip Rivers. And a lot of that is because Philip Rivers, he's $5,500. Now, if this game goes, I think the way that a lot of people think it's going to go, where the bills are going to be up and they're going to be scoring a lot of points, well, that means that the Colts, if they want to keep pace, they're going to have to score a lot of points as well. So I'm not huge on it. And again, a lot of it stems from what James had mentioned earlier is that he provides literally no rushing upside. He's, he's a statue back there. He's not going to get out of the pocket or do anything like that. So he's not going to give you that aspect of it. But if they're down, they're going to have to throw the ball a ton. And that's why I also kind of like that um, Naheem Hines call is Philip Rivers in general likes to throw to the running back. And if they're down, it's going to be Hines that gets a lot of that work, where I think a lot of people are going to lean towards Jonathan Taylor. Um, and, and speaking about running back, let's take a look at those right now. Jonathan Taylor is the third highest priced guy at $7,900, with Henry coming in at first at 92 and then in between those guys is Elvin Kamara at 85 Of these top three guys, um, James, do you have a preference of any of – any one of those guys or are you going to take one and maybe drop down? Are you going to completely skip that group or do you, do you definitely like one from the top? Yeah, I I think I lean towards Camara and and getting him in uh, one of my lineups. I I think I mentioned, I've got the the Baltimore stack where I can get him in and I, I paid down uh, at the other running back position with Heinz. And then I think I had to pay down at wide receiver and looked at like Isaiah McKenzie and, and, in uh, the Buffalo game there. Um, I I haven't built any lineups where I, I like Derrick Henry getting in there. I, I think that uh, I'm concerned about game script there, um, although they, they seem to just get him touches anyway. And Jonathan Taylor, I, I think I'm going to fade him this week. He's a great back, but again, I'm, I'm kind of just relying on the game script to, to not be great for him. AK, what about you? Do you have a preference of these top backs or no? Henry this week, um, like I was saying earlier, if you do take him, you got to pay down in other places. But Derrick Henry is just a beast, and he's just so hard to get away from in any contest. That that is the thing too. Like he he is his volume. I, it's just it's unprecedented. I I would say like look just the last four weeks: thirty four carries, twenty three carries, twenty four carries, twenty six carries. That is just. That is just an absurd amount of, of carries, and he gets no targets. So obviously he has to get it done through running the ball. Now, even if they're they're down, they're going to continue to run the football. That's just who they are, and that is just what that they you know what they do. Um, I do worry though at his his cost that if it does go where the the Ravens get up in in, in a considerable fashion, do they have to just take him out and they're now they're playing you know whoever at running back and they're not getting. He's not getting the touches, or he's only getting you know eighteen touches opposed to twenty three, um, you know eighteen touches that could end up being you know another you know only one less touchdown or you know fifty less yards or whatever it might be, um, which is a considerable amount when you look at this. I think that if I did have a preference, I would I, I would probably go Kamara as well up top. Um, and it'll be interesting to see too if Michael Thomas is healthy in that situation, but. AK, do you have any uh, pay-down option running backs that you like or any other guys that you're looking at as far as running backs concerned? Kind of like what James was saying earlier about Hines, just because of the game script that I think the Colts are going to have to follow. Rivers likes checking it down. 
So he's a good value there. Other than that, the running backs are kind of almost all the same to me in that $5,000 range. So I like McKissick too at that $4,900 price point. He's an interesting guy because he just he gets he gets like wide receiver volume in the in the pass game, right? He gets a ton of targets, yeah. especially if Alex Smith is in there. He is going to throw him the football. Um, eight, ten, ten targets in the last three games for McKissick. That's that's yeah. pretty incredible as far as running backs are concerned. That is that is like wide receiver one volume type um, targets. I'll get, I'll give you two names here, and I just see what you guys think about this. One is Cam Akers. You talked a little bit about that Ram Seahawks. I think this Ram Seahawks game is probably going to be the lowest owned game with pieces in it potentially of any of the games. Cam Akers, they said he had high ankle sprain. I don't think that you come back and get that many touches coming off of a high ankle sprain. Now, (laughs) he had 21 carries for 34 yards, which is ridiculously bad. But 21 carries and four targets at $5,100... That sounds pretty enticing to me. Um, any thoughts on that, James? Yeah, I was thinking about him too. If I'm, if I'm going to get in uh, on, on that game, he'd probably be a player that I would target at that price point. AK, do you have any love for Cam Akers, or or is he kind of a stay away with it being, you know, we've seen Sean McVay in the past. The Rams' backfield could end up, who knows, they'll bring some dude in that you never heard about and give him the ball. The only thing I dislike about that play is it's the second game on Saturday. If it was a game on Sunday, Cam Makers would be a decent little flex play. Um, but being the second game on Saturday, I'm kind of staying away from him. Okay, and then the last name I'll kind of throw out here and get you guys' thoughts on is Kareem Hunt. Um, it's a game that I think that we were all on Pittsburgh, right? We all think that they're going to win. Well, if, if they're up... And they're throwing the ball, and or, and if Cleveland has to come back by throwing the ball, um, Kareem Hunt is the guy that is usually in the backfield getting those targets. Now, he doesn't get a ton of opportunities um, in general, and that's I think that this, that's the price reflecting that. But in a game where he could potentially, you know, you find the end zone, maybe get four or five catches, get six carries, four, you know, I don't know, whatever, 30, 30 yards or something like that. He could end up being a decent little play at 4,800. Do you have any interest there, AK, or are, you, or are you just staying away from the Browns because, as you mentioned, they're kind of a, a cluster right now? I like Kareem Hunt um, as a flex player if you're going to do the two-game slate because if you're, like you talked about earlier, if you need a big play guy, Kareem Hunt's it. He, he's either going to score you 28 points or four points. So he's a nice little option to have going into a Sunday night game. But if you're playing in a um, double up, I wouldn't be playing Kareem Hunt at all. But if you're playing GPP, I would definitely look into Kareem Hunt. Yeah, yeah. I think I think he's a viable play. If if you um, if, if you're, one of your stacks or some of your players bust on on Saturday and, and you need to make up some ground, you can you can look to do a late swap with with Hunt for the reasons AK laid out there where. It's kind of a boomer bust play, but if you need to, to hit a home run, I think he's a guy that can do it, especially in a game script where I could see uh, Cleveland having to uh, pass a, a little bit more. Um, I, I think the the injury to their one of their guards there um, may may take Chubb out of it a little bit too. So um, I, I think that's a fine play. Let's talk uh, receivers real quick. We kind of mentioned them a little bit, obviously. With our stacks, so we obviously talked about Diggs and getting paired up with Josh Allen and potentially Lamar Jackson and Marquise Brown. Obviously, A.J. Brown is either a bring back or, or paired up with Tannehill. Um, is there anybody in at receiver, James, that you would be looking at as a one-off or a cheap guy um, that you kind of like, or are you pretty much going to stick to the, to the names we kind of mentioned already? Yeah, I brought up Isaiah McKenzie a couple of times. Um, I, I, Thirty-three hundred is a, a very low price, and we saw him get a lot of work last week, even with the starters still in the game. Um, I, I think he's a great slot option uh, for for Josh Allen if Beasley's going to miss this game. So I like him down in the at the thirty-three hundred dollar range. I talked about John Brown at, at forty-seven hundred. Um, those are probably a couple of my favorites. Um, 
uh, pay down options. I'm just kind of scrolling through to see what else is there. There aren't a ton of names that stood out. Emmanuel Sanders again at 5,000 if um, Michael Thomas can't go is, I think, a good play. But it, it does sound like uh, Thomas is trending to get back in. AK, what about you? Any other receivers that you like? I'm not 100% sold on him, but Pittman Jr. at 3,500, he's a decent play. Um, if you do have to pay down somewhere, I guess I wouldn't mind him just because they're going to be behind. He might get a garbage time touchdown. And at 3,500, if you get 90 yard or three catches for 30 yards and a touchdown, you did pretty well there. Yeah, I, I was going to – the two guys I would mention is Zach Pascal and Michael Pittman. Again, just kind of for the same reason I mentioned Phillip Rivers, if this is a game that Buffalo gets up in a lot and they have to throw the ball more, um, Trey White is going to put T.Y. Hilton on lockdown, I would say. And I think that Pascal and Pittman at their prices just make them viable options. Um, so I don't mind giving those guys a look. The other one I'll, I'll throw out there – is and I just forgot who I was going to talk about. Um, can't remember now. Sounds oh, sounds like a great play. Yep, here it is. I remember now. Terry McLaurin. <laughs> I was going to say Terry McLaurin because, and I, I guess again, if it's a game where they need to score points, we've basically seen that it doesn't matter who the 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 football team is playing. McLaurin is going to get a ton of targets when he is healthy. Um, Alex Smith loves him. We've seen that the, the Bucks are most susceptible in the past. Um, we watched, you know, the Chiefs obviously tore them up in Tyreek Hill. McLaurin is a super talent. He's $6,300, but again, he might be somebody that people aren't looking to just because of the Ravens, the Titans, the Bills, the Colts, all these other guys, um, even the Steelers, are, are going to be taking that ownership. If McLaurin comes in at, you know, a decent ownership, I don't mind paying $6,300 um, to him where you know his floor this season has been six targets he, he's going to get the volume right he's going to get the volume just find the end zone I don't think that the matchups against the the Bucks corners are bad so I, I like I like uh, Terry there at uh, 6300 um, real quick the tight ends anything at tight end I know we talked Mark Andrews obviously he pairs up um, with Lamar, AK, any tight end, punt tight end for you? I love, like the Gronk. Him and Brady have been clicking lately. Gronk looks healthy. Kind of talked about that earlier when, the, when we were going over the game. But at $4,000, I think Gronk's good value. And I think that they like to throw the ball a lot. So, you know, it's a good little play. All right. James, what about you at tight end? Yeah, I like we talked about Mark Andrews. I like him in a stack with Lamar Jackson. I, I like the price point for Gronk at, at four thousand. Um, Mike Evans coming back, you know, it, it, it again just another mouth to feed in that offense. So it's it's a little scary there. Um, and and uh, Jonu Smith in a, a high scoring game is kind of a bring back to uh, the Baltimore stack. He's down at thirty two hundred, so I, I don't mind that play either. The three teams. Right now, that are in the playoffs, that have given up the most points to tight ends are the Buffalo Bills, the Chicago Bears, and the Cleveland Browns. So, if you wanted to look at like a Jack Doyle, a Jared Cook, or a Eric Ebron, I think those are all interesting options. Um, I don't mind going to like a Jack Doyle again, just for that passing volume that the Colts might have to have. Now, obviously, I think a lot of those fantasy points that might have been given up two tight ends for the Bills was because Matt Milano was out and he's obviously back now for the playoffs and has been back for a couple weeks now. So I don't know if they're they're giving up as many points um, these past few weeks um, to tight ends, but I, I don't think that – I think if you're punting, you know, he's down at $2,900 on DraftKings, so I don't hate that at all. Um, defenses, anything that jumped out to you, James, or just kind of whatever fits in your lineup? Uh, whatever fits. I've, I've basically been building lineups around Washington uh, just because they're cheap. I think they can get some sacks. They could force some turnovers. And like we talked about Brady in prime time, uh, he's had some, some duds. Um, and, and this could be one of those games where he comes out and, and lays another egg. So uh, that, that's primarily where I've been looking. Uh, I wouldn't mind if you want to spend a little bit more Seattle, too, at 2700 against, uh, again, uh, an inexperienced quarterback. 
AK, what about you? I think you pay up this week for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, yeah, there's some stuff. Some, I can't talk. They they give up points to um, receivers, but I don't think the Washington offense is that good. And I think they create a couple turnovers, and you're looking for touchdowns. So throw the dice and go with the team playing the worst offense. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's a bad call either. I was looking in the same places, uh, Washington and Tampa Bay in that same game. And I think I, I'm, I'm going to just – usually I play whatever defense fits into my lineup. Defense is so variant. I don't think that you should try to make them a priority at any point. Um, it's just kind of what you have left in your lineup. I don't mind the Washington thing just because Tampa Bay is a high-throwing um, offense to begin with. They, they're not going to be able to run the ball as much against Washington. If they're throwing, Brady's a statue. They could get some sacks, and sacks lead to turnovers, and turnovers lead to points in DFS, and that's how you do it. Um, awesome show. We, we, we went for a while there, but that was a, that was a good one. We're an hour and four minutes in or so. Um, let's, uh, let's end the show here and, and give these guys our beers of the week like we always do. Um, AK, we will start with you. Well, before I get to the beers of the week, I got a, uh, little national championship question for you guys. Does Alabama cover or does Ohio State, uh, cover or win with the points? What's the, is it seven and a half still? Seven and a half. Ohio State's dealing with some COVID stuff, aren't they? Yeah, yes. I heard they were Or they're making it up. <laughs> were they considering pushing the game back? I don't know. I hope not. I think I think Bama Bama crushes them. I that would be my I I don't follow college as closely as you guys, but I'd probably say Alabama. Well, good roll tide. Roll tide. My beer of the week. <laughs> roll roll, is, roll uh, tide. Super Eight um, by Dogfish. It's a five point two percent sour, and that's what I've been drinking all episode. So very nice. Someone else. <laughs> James, what about you? Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, some lunch by uh, Main Beer Company. It's an IPA at 7%. Guy loves his IPAs. I'm going to go with Cold Snap um, by Sam Adams. It is one of my favorite beers by Sam Adams. It's just started to come out. It's a seasonal one. It is a very easy drink. It is delicious. Um, AK, tell everybody where they can find you on the Twitter machine and Action Network. Action Network is AK underscore B-O-B, and Twitter is Kenny True Love. James, what about you, brother? I am at Fitchy24. And you can find me on Twitter, as always, at JDiz1617. Um, super pumped about the playoffs, guys. It is here. We are here to break it down with you and, and carry you all the way into the Super Bowl. Um, should be a fun, fun weekend. Make sure you're heading over to Border Field Sports. Check out all of the other podcasts that we have available. Check out all the articles that we have. Um, I will be doing my deeper dive into the, into uh, DraftKings. That article will come out on Thursday. And um, that I'll go through, give my two favorite plays at each position. We went pretty in-depth tonight about it. So a lot of the stuff will probably be the same. But as always, guys, we appreciate you being here. Um, good luck. Let's win some money and we'll talk to you next time.